Hey, and welcome to another round of the Rugby Report Card. Uh, with me this week is Jim. How are you, mate? Great, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm up and about, mate. Two weeks in a row for you. This is this is outstanding. Huh? What a great start to the podcast. Just to see you back again. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good to be back. Back to back as well, might I add. Consistency is everything, they say. Absolutely. Building a culture, mate. And uh, Blake, how are you, mate? Mate, I'm fantastic. Any podcast after England have just been pants by 50 points, I am happy to be on. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it fuels the narrative that obviously Australia are absolutely favourites in the series now. And if they don't win 3-0, then it's been an absolute failure on the Wallabies' part, surely. Let's not go into that. Let's just enjoy France D with 14 men obliterating England. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I completely agree. And, and the fact is that I'm excited to be the underdogs in the series now and, and, and see what we, we could do, you know. Um, but you know what? You put out a, a tweet asking for questions, which was a great idea. And um, But I think before we go into the questions, I think it would be remiss of us not to talk about the, the climax was the, the, the Super Rugby final. And I suppose I used the word climax up. I'm not sure really whether it was a, an appropriate climax to the season as there was some amazing rugby played throughout the year. Uh, but due to probably the intensity, the, the, the way the Satyrs play, uh, kind of killed the game a little bit. Uh, but I'll throw to you first, Blake. What were your overall thoughts? Um, they're a juggernaut. That, that, that Crusaders team are incredible. They are incredible rugby dynasty. Um, what's that, five on the Jonathan? They just... I've never seen anything like it. And the way they work into their season, um, they, they never start explosive and they just build and build and build as the season goes. They tend to have that one hiccup along the way. Um, it, it's an incredible machine. It's honestly, I, I know he's not having a great season, but it's Lewis Hamilton-esque. It's Michael Jordan in the 90s. It is George in the rugby league 50 years ago. It is a dynasty. It's it's quite special. In this age of professional sport, their dominance is quite special. Um, we were all pretty hot on the on the Blues um, after the season that they had, but the Crusaders are just a machine, and they win it through territory. They win it through line-out in this game, clearly. Um, scrum, the fundamentals of rugby. They just mm. do better than anyone else when it comes to the finals. Um, I don't know what that break dancer has to do to get an international coaching job um, because because it is special, that Crusader side. Honestly, th- th- that was my takeaway from the game, right? There's not heaps of exciting stuff to take out of it because it was a pretty good game of rugby, but it was just a, a rugby machine um, that totally nullified the Blues. I didn't know Bowden Barrett um, or two of us uh, were on the field. The Crusaders were just too goddamn dominant. So they're my views. Hats off to them. Yeah, I, I think um, the, the word that you'll be saying is, is you know, clinical, um, as you say, machine-like. You think about the players that stood up, um, you know, Barrett, for example, Scott Barrett, I thought played really well. Um, Matera had one of his better games. You know, that, the, the forwards set the platform as they always do. Um, and I think if you look at the, the statistics as well, you know, possession, you know, terror, that Crusaders. And, and the Blues had a bit of flair, but... I think as we both said, both Jim and I said last week, I thought the Blues were petering out a little bit whereas the Crusaders were building upwards. And if you just look at the fact that, um, you know, how well the, the, the Crusaders 
obviously competed at the lighter and played smart test match footy, even though it wasn't a test match, I think was the, was the keys to success really. And just controlling and when know to when to give away a penalty and, uh, and uh, how to play the referee a little bit, I think, which was also smart on their part. Yeah, the, the second row, how good were Barrett and Whitelock? They, mm. They're the MVPs for me. Um, and then I just thought Bowden Barrett had been better than Malonga all season until mm. the final. Um, and then Mwanga just arrived on this grand stage. I guess the reason I'm just so um, enamoured with this performance is the players have changed. It's not Kieran Reid. It's not Richie McCaw. It's not Dan, Dan Carter. Like the, the, the team has changed so much. This isn't even that strong of a team on paper, the Crusaders outfit, and they're just an absolute beast. I, I find it so impressive. Jim, what do you reckon? Look, you guys have given a very deep... Uh, analysis there on what went down Saturday. It's not too much I can add other than how embarrassing for the Blues. How embarrassing. A season like you had, a performance like that to cap it all off does not do your season justice. Just choked. No good. Um, They probably were in a little bit of denial and were lying to themselves a little bit there, having come off the back-to-back victories and the finals that preceded this one, particularly against the Brumbies where they probably shouldn't have been in it. But um, Look, that wouldn't have helped them. Just a little bit embarrassing, to be honest. Wanted more of a contest. Was really looking forward to it, and they just got sated, which I've seen a million times. Part of me was happy, right, with the way they beat the Brumbies, and part of me was like, I wish it was the Brumbies because at least they would have showed up at set-piece time. Um, the, the, yeah, the dominance of set-piece eliminated the Blues from this game of rugby. And I think that's two things, just to interject to that point. I think you, just to build on something you said, one thing, you know, that Mwanga outperformed Barrett. And I think we just need to just be a bit mindful of the fact that the pack set the platform. And I'm just going to repeat what I said before. It's much easier in inverted covers to play 10 behind a fully functioning set piece and forwards that gets you over the game line. When you're going backwards and when you're um, struggling to keep ball, I think it's a lot harder to play 10. And the second point I would say is when you talk about on paper, the Crusaders do what the Australian team, cricket team did a while ago. You you feed players in into a system that's fully functioning and you, you make sure that you keep the key positions, you know, second row, centres, quite stable and you allow the other players to come in and find their feet. And when you're winning, it's much easier to come into a system that you've known for the past few years as well. So as much yeah, as they it might feels like only the Brumbies do that here, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think uh, another big takeaway was... The line-out is, um, you know, is a big scrum can change a game. Um, a line-out dictates a game. Mm. Um, if, if, if you're not competitive at the line-out, you, you can't compete. And, and you've seen that with Australian rugby with our dark days. Their line-out went to shit um, and it's been pretty grim for a little while. Um, well, without, there's a lot of line-outs in rugby. Yeah, and according to the stats from the, uh, from the website, it's like, Actually, the Blues lost more lineouts than they actually won. That's a damning statement. Yeah. Uh, the only other point that I would raise is just the the fucking wild west of the way the Kiwis adjudicate cards. Um, it's like I'm refing the game. I, I'm, I'm all for it, right? They, they don't send anyone off. We've got to see 15 on 15 in a final. Um, but both of those, in particular, good shoes. It's been a red card for four years. Um, Ikatao got suspended for three weeks for the exact same offence two weeks ago. Um, and then Goodshoe does it and, fuck, I'm cool with it. I'm going to see 15 or 15, the better side won. But it isn't penalised. Um, and then, you know, Crusaders are dominant. He's sent off 
it's a totally different game of rugby. Um, and I and I actually saw the highlights from what was happening up in the north as well, and they got soft on the cards this weekend too, uh, which again. I'm all for, okay, don't get me wrong, but, but I hate this idea that as soon as it's a high-stakes game, the cards disappear. But, like, it, the inconsistency was, was never more apparent, uh, and it seems like the Kiwis are just doing their own thing with the high-contact framework. And I like their thing, but it's a very different thing, if you follow what I mean. Mm. Um, I, just, I just find the whole thing batshit crazy. I, I cannot get my head around it. It would have been interesting, actually, from a, um, a spectacle point of view. I know you say it's 15-15, but you'd be interested to see what would have happened for that 20 minutes. Because, obviously, the, the, the traditional way is to make sure you kick to corners, you know, put pressure on, line out, et cetera, more like when you've got that extra person trying to fight. But they just didn't have it. It would have been interesting to see whether they would have been able to capitalise on it. I know 13 is such a big position to be able to uh, cover, as you found. It's a counterfactual, right? So, yeah. so we'll, ne- we'll never know. We'll never know. But, Absolutely. But I That's guess, what I think. It's a point of interest. But it's all. a psychological thing too. Once a player's mm-hmm. off, everyone lifts a gear. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. the, it's the defensive team that lifts that gear. Usually it's the offensive team that lifts that gear. Um, but whatever. Didn't happen. I'm fine with it. But I just I can't, I can't make heads or tails of the thing. Matera's yellow card, not suspended. Good Hugh, we're all good in the hood here. Um, a few weeks earlier, accidental head clash. Fucking, you suspend him for life. I just, what, what's doing? It's, it's, I reckon I, the tides have turned. Maybe, and then I'm, I'm cool with it. If the tides have turned and, and we're, we're just adjudicating foul play, preach, baby. Now, I'm going back to your old point. I reckon the tides have turned when you get carded and it's 14 on 15. All the pressure is on the team with 15. I agree. All of it. When you've got 14, all it requires is one penalty, one drop ball, one infringement, one this, one great tackle, anything that disrupts that momentum, and you've basically won the 10 minutes. You've basically won the 20 minutes because you can chew and just waste time so easily in this sport that all the pressure is on the 15 to take advantage of it and settling for a three is not good enough. Mm. So the pressure is heightened tenfold. You've got to score off of it. Oh, I agree, and I'm, and I'm sure teams train that stuff, um, but the evidence is the evidence. The, mm. the teams who haven't been carded win. The teams who have been carded lose. Um, but, yes, I think psychologically there's a lot of pressure once you've got that card. Um, but we've You got the data seen. on that, do you? Wouldn't mind I've, got the, I've got the stats right here, Jim. Wouldn't mind saying it. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll send you the spreadsheet after. Mate, run Zoom. Can you join us share screen? Yeah, yeah. See that there? Yeah, there's nothing there, man. No, hold on. I'll, I'll get it up for you. All right. Okay. Whilst you're, whilst you're preparing your statistics right now, uh, let's jump across. Well, I've got an uh, internet problem. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> All your data is going through to the video. Uh, just want to jump across to the questions. And I really appreciate, obviously, the questions that, that have been set out there uh, by everyone um, today. And there's some great questions in there. Uh, but the first one I need to really address is from uh, Chris Hannon. Um, and thank you so much for your concern, Chris, because yes, I am okay. Thank you for asking if I'm all right. Um, obviously, we need to uh, talk, we don't need to talk about England too much, uh, but I'm going to throw the first question um, to I found you. Out, I found it, Richard, if you want to have a look on the screen. All oh, right, okay, yeah, and it's a bit rude, mate. It's a bit rude. Uh, I don't know who's the English you... teacher. <laughs> 
Um, I'm actually going to uh, throw to, to you first, Jim, just with this first question. Oh, shit. Uh, Mark Grozanka, and apologies if I've said that wrong, Mark, has actually come up with a great uh, question. said, are Rugby Australia stirring the pot with their claim they consider leaving Super, Rug- Super Rugby Pacific? Okay. Do you think that's actually the, a correct thing to do or not? Leaving Super Rugby Pacific, the competition as it stands now. Yeah. It's a terrible idea. Definitely not, man. Any publicity at this point is good publicity. They're not doing it. I'm calling their bluff. You're calling their bluff? What do you reckon, Blake? It's it's all out there, right, which is New Zealand are getting the lion's share of the pie. So the longer we stay in this arrangement, they're getting their coffers filled and we're slowly going bankrupt. It is not financially in our interest, okay? And then if you extrapolate further, we had 40,000 people watching the Reds beat the Brumbies. We had, I think it was 1.5 million viewers watching that game of rugby. There was 75,000 viewers watching the Pacific Rugby Super Rugby final. So the data is there that we are financially better off and we're better off in terms of fandom having our own Australian conference. Um, so I understand talking heads in a, in a room with a CEO and an Excel spreadsheet, why it makes sense. Uh, and, and I understand why you might say it to bluff and, and try and get a bigger slice of the pie. Um, but as Dave Rennie said, we need the competition. We need each other. And as a fan of rugby, I love trans-Tasman rugby. Um, so I don't know. I, I understand the methodology to get to it, but it does feel like smoke and mirrors to me. Um, I don't I don't understand how an Australian model is sustainable. Five teams is not enough teams. And as soon as you blow that out to eight or ten, it's as shit as the A-League. Like, it's just amateur hour, isn't it? Like, you, you watch it because it's a high-quality product. That's right. The rung and below test rugby. And if we have eight teams, it's a shit product. The A-League is a lowbrow sport. Isn't it? Um, <laughs> soccer's great. Don't get me wrong. Oh. But, geez, you just can't. I just can't. Anyway. Uh, and I've tried too, so yeah, whatever. But the, it is—it's a cross relationship. We need them. You need us. Why? Uh, why did we pen a deal that gives them the lion's share? Because like, people watch it in New Zealand. You no, know, we watch it here. Got forty thousand bums on seats. Like the evidence is the evidence. The no, data. but they have the deal with their Sky Sport, which is a huge telecasting network. Stan cut a budget deal with us because no one else wanted the rugby. Right. So Stan was able to offer peanuts to get the rugby because Fox bowed out. But Sky Sports not interested in having a, an Australian deal. Well, I don't think they 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 have it. That we don't have their sport channels or anything. Yeah, they're not in our market, are they? No, no. So the, the, I, look, I don't, I'm talking out of my ass here, but this is my understanding of it. Mm. It sounds yeah. accurate to what I've seen. What you're saying. Yeah, what do you think, Richard? No, I just sort of asked just to carry out to take that further. If we are to stay in the, uh, the Super Rugby Pacific, which is absolutely the right decision in my view, would you tweak any of the uh, of the, the format that you've currently got at the moment? Or are you yeah, colour team, colour team. See, Rebels, mate. Cheers, try to. Um, would you, know you then just have one? My, uh, if I'm fantasy, Richard, I get to pick my own, and I think that's a, a question coming later pick my own setup for it. I actually think 2021 was successful, the Australian domestic competition and then a Pacific competition. But here's my model. You have, you have six 
Aussie teams, you keep the draw in, so it gets us to six, um, and you have the Australian Conference, and either three or four qualify. And then you have the competition with New Zealand and only the qualifying teams go there. Now, I'm totally okay with the unqualifying teams. They they loan their players. Loan so, their so, players. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, let's say the Rebels don't make it. Well, the Rebels become available to, and you link two clubs up together. So it's like a, almost like an origin. Terrible idea, man. We're yeah, sending it's fucking horrific. It's a horrendous idea. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I just love it because then we'd be sending, you know, three Australia, Australia A and Australia B equivalent to go play in the Super Rugby for the second half of the season. Thank God you're not in charge of anything. Uh, what would you like? <laughs> What's what, your model, Richard? What would you like to see, Jim? Mate, uh, I don't mind. It's just I think when it comes to the, the rugby formats, I think all the comps are just a little bit too long when you do that format that he's just discussed. I think the less games, you think about back when it was the Super 12, the Super 10s, like it was play one team once and then go from there. I really enjoyed that. It made every game valuable. I I think the short-lived season, it suits my interests immensely. I don't know. I might be an anomaly here or be the only one who thinks this way, but I think the less games, the better. I love the finals format. I love the domestic turn into a trans-Tasman comp, all of that, but it needs to be around the 10 to 12 rounds. Can I, can I throw a, a, a counter punch to that, Jim? Yeah. Um, as a fan, I don't disagree, but I think I, I saw something and it was that in three seasons in Europe, Nick Fibbs has played more rugby than his entire career in Australia, which was eight or nine seasons. Wasn't that uh, Mac Hansen? Mac Hansen as well. Mac Hansen as well in his one season in England because they play. It's over fifty games a season that they're playing of professional rugby. So how how do we compete with France and England? But you if can't our, if our best players are playing ten games a season. Well, what's our priority to... here? What's our priority? If, if our priority is the international stage, then keep it as is. But if it's trying to get as much as we can out of this domestic comp and viewers and dollars and deals, then you need to make it a, a model and a product that you can market and have some interest over. Because right now it's still a come and go sort of comp for me. And, you know, you lose them when they play the Drua, even though it was a great competition. No one knows who the Drua is. No one knows who the, um, what was the other one running around? I mean, case in point. I want a Pacifica. <laughs> it's just a mouthful at this point. <laughs> I think to your point, though, just for a second about the, the number of games, I agree with Jim's point of what is the ultimate goal? Because if it is to actually benefit the Wallabies, I think the letter, the the less, having less games is actually more beneficial because um, you're actually going to be fresher. There's one of the biggest arguments is right now that England England players or European players are playing too much that by the time they get to the end of season and particularly these tours, they are gassed. They are done. I, I disagree know? with that. I agree with your top your Wallabies, your top 15 guys. But I'm every other kid that is learning their craft needs to be playing competitive rugby. And yeah, I'll give you a hot I, tip. Being at Foreshore Park against the rats is not competitive rugby. Yeah, but that's what that's what I started with. If your product is the wallabies. Yeah, but I'm saying your future wallabies. They need to be playing professional rugby. Your your future your Hamish Stewart's. It's why we need the Australia A system. Like they need to be playing professional rugby. Um, and, and my worry is all of those um, Noah's, Lulaceos, your 
um, Tane Edmonds go further, if they play 10 games for the Tars a year and then go play club rugby, they are going to fall so far behind the European counterparts. So my point is if you go to that model, if it is about viewership and fan engagement, you need an NRC. You need a tear down. So will, they're playing the will rugby. Not get, you will not get the NRC off the ground. Which is why I'm saying you need to play a lot of super rugby then. But even that, I, I don't think it's work. I don't think it works. Agree to disagree. But I think these guys are going to be playing more than 10 games a year. Oh, I think they do too. Don't get me wrong. Particularly the ones who aren't making the team. But maybe you need to like set up some sister clubs. You know, when you're down here, you go there. The, the, the real issue is that if they play for the sister clubs or we get the games under the belt and they get injured and they don't make themselves available for the 10 time slots that we have in Australia, then it's no good to us because the value is the domestic product over the Wallaby product. Well, maybe you end up merging the competition in terms of the NRC as a product was not successful. No. And I think it's been floated before, but could you create a, another um a mini Super Rugby Pacific competition and join the NNRC and a Mitre 10 or whatever it's called now. Sorry, that shows my ignorance towards the competition um, and actually have a Super Rugby A-class competition where you repeat the what's happened from the top one, but you repeat it at the lower level down. So you're still you playing. You can if you just want to burn money <laughs> because it's a lot of flights, it's a lot of squads, mm. it's a lot of training. That's why I think the model where Super Rugby is 12 to 14, 15 games a year is the only financially viable uh, model. The question, the question was, we have a blank checkbook, man. Blank check. Blank, blank checkbook. Check yeah. All right, moving on. So Alex McDonald has a few questions. I'd love to know your answers here. i got a few suggestions for you as well. He says, what about some season highlights or lowlights? Let's start off with uh, MVP. There's a lot of players in there at the moment that you could probably throw around. One probably unusual one probably. Um, I'm going to throw out there potentially Will Jordan as, a, as an option. I think every time I've seen the Crusaders play, he's been... Oh, I uh, like that, Richard. Uh, like he's been pretty awesome. Lightning. Um, He's he's look he's he's always uh, close to the top of the try scorers um, list. Um, tackles his out, does clean out. He has turned the ball over quite a few times. He's probably it was obviously a huge negative, but for me, I'll put forward uh, uh, Will Jordan as as potential MVP. What do you think, Blake? I can't argue with that. If we're going for an MVP in the backs, can we do an MVP in the forwards as well? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Oof. What are you going for? I'm going Artie Savea. That's a, that's that's a pretty good shot, actually, mate. That's the lum- the lumberjack, mate. I, I would also add in. I would just go sour uh, cooler as well. I think maybe he he uh, tailed off as the season went on, but I thought um, you know he was pretty awesome for the Chiefs. Um, but I like your pick of uh, of, of Savar as well. What do you reckon? Yeah, um, yeah I can't I can't disagree with either of you. Will Jordan for the backs, Artie Savar for the forwards. I reckon you've nailed it. Yeah. Um, what about um, the rising star? Who's been uh, who surprised you this year as a, as a young gun who's come in and, and actually blown your socks off? So from from either like uh, uh, from an Aussie team or a Kiwi team, we don't know. It doesn't. Should we do one of each? One of each Kiwi and an Aussie. Richard, what are you in? I think it's uh, I think jo- uh, Josh Morby of the Canes. I think he's had a he's had a good season. You know, fullback for the Canes. I think he's come in. I don't think he'll end up. You know, I think Jordy Barrett should still probably be the fullback for the Hurricanes, but I think he's been he's been someone who's impressed me from that from that position. You know, try scoring, 
uh, good defensively, good kicking game. So I think Josh Morby has been, been a good option. Can, mm. uh, he's not a young gun, but I'm going to go to Avasa Shek for the Blues. First, you're not answering, you're not answering well, the question. Well, it's his first season, isn't it? Yeah. So surely uh, that constitutes. I think that's a pretty dominant first season. So that's my Kiwi pick. Yeah. Jim, uh, my, my, I've got some Aussie picks ready. Uh, go on then, give us your Aussie picks. Um, I've already got, it's, look, it's been a while since I watched them play. It's hard to put it together, but I think I've got Hooper from the Brumbies. Um, and yep. then I don't know, can can you say Edmet? I think he debuted the year before, but it was his first year playing properly. Mm-hmm. Um, Edmet for the Tars has certainly mm-hmm. um, really shown up on the scene for me. So Hooper... I think for the Brumbies, I haven't given this a lot of thought, Richard. You put me on the spot, but I, I think I've got Hooper for the Brumbies uh, and Edmed from the Tars. No, Dylan Peach. Oh, Dylan Peach. See, I would actually, if we're going, I think you're going a bit too, too back oriented. I think for, for a rising star, if you think about someone's stock that has ridden throughout the season, I, thought, I think Charlie Gamble stock Played has risen. Year. Played last year, Richard. Played uh, last year, man. Come on, brother. Sorry, and this man. isn't a who's the best rookie, it's name a rookie. Yeah. Dylan Peach. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, All right. So I think this is an obvious one, though, let's be honest. The, the do we have a most improved? Um, I think Marky Mark has yeah, been the most definitely, improved. Yeah, it's definitely been Marky Mark, hasn't it? Has I to would, be. I think so, yeah. Who are you going for, Jim? Any, any other advances on Marky Mark? Oh, yeah, I reckon uh, Young Gamble there. You've stolen that nicely. Gamble, yeah. or you could even fucking make an argument for Holloway. Oh, that's a good squad. shout too. That's a good shout too. Yeah, nice. Not nice. at all. Um, what about the, I think this is obvious, there's, there's no even conversation about this one. Who's the best tuck? It's got to be Pete Samu. It's got to be tuck. Pete Samu. No one. Mm. There's been a few who've made an attempt this year. And I appreciate that. Nothing consistent, which is disappointing. It is a little bit disappointing. Do we have a regression who's gotten the worst this year? Matt Tamua. Matt Tamua is a great shout. Reese Hodges is a great shout. Dow Guno. Mm. I think that's a he, – he has gone backwards at strides. So mm. Lotto can't even make the Reds. I think that's more um, political because he's going overseas more than yeah. I think ability-wise. I think yeah. to be honest with you. But the end of the season, club rugby. It looks rugby. a bit toxic to me. So, based on absolutely nothing. I just get the vibe that anyone that is older than twenty-five, just, just too many alpha males in the room with Brad Thorne. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's not happy about something. That's what his body language is suggestive. He's got a bit of that, doesn't he? I think the boys love him. Don't get me wrong. But he's not. He's not happy. You happy with our awards here, Richard? I just think it just demonstrates your depth of knowledge and your research that has gone into it. So I'm, I'm happy with so far that your awards. That's pretty good. No, it's just um, data, mate. It's just data. That's all. Let's um, go. Evidence informed. Uh, <laughs> absolutely, evidence informed. Um, what would you say is the worst? This is a tough one because I know, Blake, you think there have been lots of them. Uh, what has been the worst referee decision? Um, that you have seen this year. And I'm going to remove, tough one. That remove the Blues-Brumbies semi-final because, you know, obviously that, that's too close to home. Is there another one? And these are all from Alex McDonald. Thank you for sending them in. Um, what would you say is the worst referee decision? Clearly that one. 
It's just it other than that one, man. It's just I can't think past the horror of that decision. <laughs> Which one are you doing? End of the Brumbies game. Yeah, end of the Brumbies game. It's just it's incredible. Incredible. I'm still incredulous. I'm out of E words. I'm, I'm furious. Yeah, what happens? You what know what? Happens? The way, where my brain goes to is I remember watching the Saders. Uh, maybe it was against the Brumbies. I think it was against the Brumbies. There was a wild prop. Don't know his name or number, but he was had a bald head. That's what I can tell you right now. But um, he came very heavy into a tackle high, should have been a yellow, and I was feeling pretty snappy at the time. But it was just a penalty and carry on. And then a couple of tackles later did the exact same thing. Hurt, hurt Alan Alalatoa, ended up getting a yellow for that. But just the missed call on the initial hit, no adjustment to his technique, and it was just a ticking time bomb waiting game. That, that was, was that disappointed with that. thug, wasn't it? Yeah. The Crusaders. Yeah. It was against the Brumbies. That's all I can offer you at this point. Um, I, I, it's too hard to stretch my mind back, so I'm just going to doggedly stay with the uh, the Brumbies call. Richard, what do you got for us? Um, here we go. All right. <laughs> Thanks for the build-up, Jim. Um, look, I, th- I think um, there's been a few that have been very, very, very dodgy. I think the one that I can think of, um, there was a there was a two poke clean out, which I think you got. You, you, I knew it. I fucking knew it. If it uh, wasn't two poke, it was going to be Quaid, wasn't it? No, no, no. I'm defending him. I'm actually defending him, Jim. <laughs> Don't turn it around that way. That I thought was uh, incorrectly done. Uh, he should have been left alone. He gets penalised for being bigger than blokes a lot. Yeah, probably. Oh, he is reckless, though. He is, but, you know, I can't say that because I'll get accused of something. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> Your next point is Quaid. Yeah. Well, he hasn't do? played, mate. Do you what research, do you do mate? He, has, he hasn't been playing in this tournament. Do you research, mate? <laughs> um, I can't think of anything. anything. There's been just so many... Um, that I don't think any of them really stand out so much or that are so incredulous that gets me that angry, if I'm honest. Can I say that just the haphazard nature of the cards, the, just the general inconsistency and lack of process? Mm. You know what? The worst refereeing decision has been the man leading these refs. Whoever appointed him, that's the worst referee decision that's gone on. That's deep, man. Deep. Um, all right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Next, next one. All right. So coming in. So we're looking at um, from Chris F. If money was no object and the players were willing to come, well, I think we kind of covered this in the last podcast, but we'll do it again. Which two players would each of the five Aussie Super Rugby franchises purchase to bolster their 2023 credentials? So who would you purchase? So who am I buying for my team? Each yeah, club, each, each club, club has unlimited money. Well, yeah. the Brumbies clearly need an uh, inside centre and a fullback. Yeah. So who so would you buy? Isaac Lucas and Samu Karevi. Nice, good job. Nice. Um, so that's the Brumbies sorted. Uh, the Tars need. Hang on, Jim. Who would you go for the Tars? Because the Tars need still need a pack. Uh, really, the uh, back row is not too bad, but the the second row is still an issue. Um, and I would also say full back, particularly with Newsom going overseas. I don't know, Peach has done well, but that that back three needs needs a bit of work. Who would you who would you buy, Jimmy, for the Tars? Oh fuck, man! Oh, Jesus Christ! Um, would you bring Would you bring Skelton back? Nah. Remember they tried that out last year or two years ago, mate. Mm. Good, 
Dude, put it the article, We'd see his red card on the weekend. That's as red as red comes. Mm. Um, and then he had a he had a bit of a, he said he felt hurt that he wasn't called for this series. Yeah. So yeah. He, just, he took it out on England. That's not clearly. That's not. clearly. Um, so I don't know. So, did he do enough when he was selected last year? I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised. No, but from all accounts, his work off the bench is pretty destructive. Mm. Matt, he's a one-dimensional player, you know. He's bum on and offload. Outside of that, he can't be lifted in the lineup. No. You know, you're not going to get a straight pack down of the scrum because he's just bigger than everyone. It just just doesn't work physically. Physical, it just doesn't work. Who are you to ask, Jim? Matt, I don't have an answer to the question. I'd, I'd like to see. I know I just go to get back to the fact that I said hey, we've got a good back row. I'd like to get Scotty Fardy back in back in the Ooh, system. If I'm honest, he's retired, isn't he? Yeah, mate. The dude's 48. What are you talking about, mate? Do you not think he'd make a difference? No, you don't. No, he's too old, my friend. He's too no, old. They've got a back row too. Yeah. All right. Okay. Surely it's it's Rory Arnold as number one. And then um, who's one of our other gun second rowers that pissed off Hoskins overseas? Sure, it's two second rowers. There's no, there's no guarantee with that lot, but it's, it's Coleman and Arnold for me. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I'm just bringing two what, like international grade second rowers. They got the front row. They got the back row. The backs are lacking firepower, but they've got Beal and Nadolo. Yes, they're both past it. But that might be enough firepower. Well, so, I'm going money, no option. I'm paying out um, some of the talent already in the country's contract and then putting them in the team. That's what I'd be doing. I don't know about the old retired guard coming back. It's too big. Of, we saw it with Jamie Roberts, man. It doesn't work. Mm. Yeah, in that case, give me Corabetti on the sting then. Yeah. I, I, well, let's just jump to the Reds because this is interesting because I, I think one player should well, actually you jump to the, the Rebels because I think it would be, uh, be funner. From um, I'm going to throw out there, there's, there's numerous issues within the, 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 that Rebels team. Um, I'd love to see a seven and eight combination of Liam Gill and Sean McMahon down at the Rebels. I think that would add a lot to that Rebels team. Um, a lot, I like that shout a lot, Richard, and I think it's realistic. But if the Rebels want to win, I reckon they need DuPont at nine. <laughs> <laughs> and Adi Savia at seven, because the rest of the team okay. is pretty fucking shit. So money's no option. Okay. I think yours is better because you know Wallaby selection, or yeah, whatnot, okay. and, and somewhat in the realms of reality. Yeah. The Rebels want to win, they need to bond to Adi Savia. Okay, there's a few issues with that, but we'll move on. Uh, Money, no well, option. Tupo apparently is allegedly looking at the Rebels. I've heard that. I did see that. Yeah. Did that. Yeah. Which, which he's a game changer, right? He he is. He's huge. They get him. It's a totally different setup. No, what a what a waste. What a what a career in the drain. They have no success down there. They have no track record of good coaching, successful seasons. Why does a prop think he's going to turn that shit around? It's called money, mate. Oh, yeah. Well, let's just call it what it is then. That you have. Um, Probably a Blake here, mate. <laughs> oh, sorry, mate. Sorry. Uh, sorry. It's, mate. it's just money. That's what yeah. it is. What on earth have you got a match for? A little candle. <laughs> Smoke's, deli- smoke's delightful as well. Isn't it lovely? Isn't it's it lovely? Just... Um, I watch Are a lot of and Sam these days, so. Oh, nice. Uh, I do uh, hear Reds. you've got a fireman on speed dial. 
Reds? That's just to tricky, be funny. The paper just to be funny. You know what I do? I fucking hire Eddie Jones as the coach. That's where my money would go. Oh, mate, he might not have a job sooner or later. So. Um, just to be funny, I think they should bring Tolo Lado back just to be their hooker. Yeah, they need a hooker. That's actually, you're not wrong there. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, uh, like, genuinely, they need a hooker. Uh, the Reds should bring back Tolo Lato and Scott Robertson as the coach. That's their two signings. They're genuinely, they're a threat then. They've got the rest of the team, provided they keep Tupo fit and on the field. No, he's and in they, Melbourne. Um, <laughs> we don't know that. We're just really allegations. And they need a backup fly half, but but maybe that's liner. I think that's the hope up there because um, they kind of can't get through a season. Keep rolling them, Richard. Keep them rolling. But the way we do with force, air, whatever. Yeah. Get Tom England back, or they can get a few other players back. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next question. All right. Who we go for? Jeez. Uh, um, let's talk about the ad shorts. So, what do we think from Kitty Fifty Eight? Taniella's uh, blonde hair in the new Wallabies ad. Fan? Love yes it. or no? Fucking oh, love it. I love it. Too. I love a peach blonde man. You did I love yours. A platinum. Or, you did yours a year or two ago, didn't you, Jim? Yeah, I went platinum blonde. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And look, he's the guy you throw the whole marketing pigeons behind, don't you? you get all the flock of birds behind him. He's the guy that can sell the game. Mm. Um, and and whatever makes him stand out more. Hook it to my veins. Mm. I, I love the uh, whoever's behind the design of these training outfits. Like every year, they impress me. Yeah, the training but, outfits are sometimes better than the shirt because I like just, the, tra- the traditional nature of the shirt. Don't get me wrong, but I like the training outfits. Just outstanding. I, I I don't know whether or not I just appropriate it with the hope that I get at the start of each Wallaby season. I think it's that. Year. I think it's that. This maybe this is the, their color because sometimes I get caught up and I buy it, and now I see it on my drawer and I'm like, ah, yeah, that's right, we lost every game, and yeah, I and I hate it. Uh, purple didn't work, did it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, right, moving on just from Hugh Tyndall, uh, English Premiership final with more than 100 kicks, exciting finish, but a terrible watch compared to the blue set. Should world rugby t- look at tweaking the rules to reward ball in hand? Or I would no. say no. I if they're playing no. 4 million games a season, no wonder they're kicking the fucking ball. Again, which adds into the narrative, your favourites. Uh, it's about yeah. rugby. It is so multifaceted that we cannot do you can't. It's. I love the fact that you can watch multiple ways of doing it. And you know what? Good kicking actually leads to broken field play. If it was the same thing all the time, work. So no, world rugby should not do that. Um, yeah, I agree. I love rugby. There's different ways to skin a cat. And I think once the game's high stakes enough, no one even cares how it's played because the stakes and the atmosphere is so high. Um, but as defences keep getting better and better and better and better, the, the, there's something to be said about it's easier to play without the ball, uh, and I don't love that. Yeah, um, look, world rugby, like how long is a piece of string? I think the real issue here is how easy it is to achieve a penalty, so that's why you don't play in your own half. Yeah, and I don't love that stuff, but it's 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 not that far gone where I'm calling for a rule change. Um, but 
yeah, I don't love it. I don't love that brand of rugby. It's not the best part of our game. But like I said, when the game's high enough stakes, lie in South Africa, I don't give a fuck because the, the atmosphere is, is so immersive. Um, yeah, I prefer ball in hand rugby, sure. But it is what it is. No, we don't need to change anything. I'm rambling here, Richard. Next question. Yeah, no, I was just going to take a, a move away from the questions for a second. And actually, go to the rugby news. There's been a few things, obviously, uh, this week in the news. And one thing that came out in particular was the the concussion rule to, to 12 days uh, going away from the mandatory sevens. Particularly if you have, obviously, a prior, um, if you've been had a concussion before, what are your thoughts about the extension from a seven to 12 days? Think it's a good, a good idea. Do you think it's just, it's not long enough? Do you think they're just trying to tick boxes? What do you think, Blake? Look, we, um, we are always looking at, looking at new ways to protect our players. Um, and I think the extension from seven to 12 days is a great, uh, initiative to do that because you, those, those competitive athletes, you know, they want to get back on the field within five minutes. But um, it takes the governing body to make these big decisions to protect our players and protect our sport. Here, here. No, um, it's, a, it's a load of shit <laughs> box ticking. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me explain my answer. I, I'm actually all for it, um, anything to prevent concussion. It's horrible uh, when you see players later in their career. But when, when shit like that good shoe tackle happens... Um, and not only is there, there no penalty, which whatever, um, the fact that he doesn't go off for a HIA, um, the, the inconsistent use of that HIA, um, it's, it's almost used entirely. Ta- in, until they stop taking the piss with that, um, I'm not interested in listening to them with other stuff. Um, that they, they just don't seem to care about X, Y, Z and then care more than anything with I can't think of three other letters. <laughs> but you know what I you know what I mean. <laughs> it's it's a haphazard mess. So fundamentally I agree with it. Um, but it's hard to take him seriously when players aren't going off for HIAs mm-hmm. um, every single game of rugby that you watch when when you see there's these instances. But then you know someone slightly breaks a rule and they're red carded and then someone does go off for a HIA and they get the 12. Just, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a mess at the moment, but fundamentally I agree with it. Richard? Hmm. What would you uh, – uh, again, I, I agree as well, but I, I'm not quite sure that the change, that what the extra five days is actually going to achieve potentially. Obviously, I'm not behind the the, the science behind it, uh, but whatever sort of keep the, the players safe, in inverted commas, um, the better. But um, – uh, more needs to be done rather than just adding an extra 12 days because as I said, those players, I agree with you, Blake, they should be coming off the play sooner. You could clearly see they're dazed and they have, they've been knocked out. They should be coming um, asked a test in the changing rooms to do all this, to be able to go but again. I don't think that's really the best in the welfare of the players. So I think it just Big overview of everything that, that goes on. Um, but talking about an overview, you talked about the Rebels before. I'd love to know about the opinions on actually, how will Matsumu actually be remembered for the talk he's going to go to Japan? How will his tenure as a Wallaby and as an um, international rugby player and uh, you know someone who disappeared? I love that. I, I love that question, Richard, because um, I think we hate that our players spend their twilight seat years overseas. 
um, and, and we wish they ended their careers here. But here's a bloke who came back to give us his twilight years and people shadowed him. Um, so and he almost tarnished um, how good he was in his last probably year or two where he was just a little bit behind the pace. Um, but he shouldn't be remembered for that. He, he was a, um, a class super rugby player and a class international player. And for a couple of seasons there, he was bloody red hot and his defence was second to none. Um, the hits that he was making, um, but but he's sort of been punished for playing at the Rebels um, and been punished for maybe playing a year too long in Super Rugby. Maybe he should have taken Japan a year or two earlier. Jim, what do you reckon? Look, I don't know. It's just the trajectory of most careers at this point. I think it was. I think you're right with the, the twilight years coming back here, but I don't know. He never really was an excellent kicker of the ball or playmaker. He was known for his physicality and a victim of a lot of concussions himself. Yeah. Um, and when they started going on, like it really does impact your whole game. You know, you start playing with a third eye and I, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on the dude because I've got a lot of memories of him coming on and doing some great things for the Brumbies and the Wallabies. But the, what, the team that he chose to go to, like it, that was probably the decision that he would have over again. Like I have lost complete faith in all the systems they've got going down there at the Rebels. So I think they're run and done by a bunch of great guys, way more qualified than probably everyone else or anyone else who put their hand up. But this thing needs to blow up hugely. It uh-huh. needs... No, it's because the other thing I'd add to that, Jim, is I think the 10, 12 role has evolved during his career. Um, and he's your traditional good at everything sort of bloke. I think you need to be a little bit faster now. Um, he, he, he's not a ball running threat in either his size, he's not 105, 110 kilos, um, or his pace. Um, and I think that, that 10 is quicker now. They're all ball runners. Um, whether it's Marcus Smith, whether it's Bowden Barrett, whether it's Mawanga, Quade Cooper, uh, James O'Connor, Edmed, you've got to be a running option as a 10. Uh, and as a 12, you've got to be a physical option, um, a Tuialangi, a Karevi, um, a Lamapi. Do you know what I mean? And I think uh, in, in his career, we saw those positions evolve and maybe he didn't have the physical attributes um, or maybe I'm just thinking about his older years, I'm not sure. But all that negativity aside, I, I, he's my favourite player there for a while and, and I love watching him play and he's certainly has got all the skills. Absolutely. I think it's hard. We're all... I'm getting... Uh, Richard's coming in, Patchy. You're, you're cutting out on us, Richard. But I think I heard you say recency bias and absolutely, that would have inflamed everything we said. Um, you there, Richard? Can we still hear you? Yep, but well, we might take this opportunity if I am cutting in and out to say thank you again to everyone who, who uh, uh, sent in the questions. And uh, yeah, it was uh, good to catch up, boys. And we'll uh, we'll we'll chat next week. All right, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Bring on the international season. Congratulations, Crusaders.